This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. Good morning. Romans 15, 1 through 9. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and, in, and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and with and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and, moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Good morning. I am uh, I am Pastor Erica, and I am the pastor of Prayer and Discipleship here at Community Covenant Church. And this morning, I am uh, I'm here because Pastor Brad and his wife Roxy are somewhere on the Alcan. Um, and I actually was thinking about this last night, and I thought, you know, maybe we should have done one of those uh, trackers like they do with Santa, you know, on Christmas Eve, you know, every Sunday that, that, uh, that he's not here. We put it up on the screen, you know, tracking where Pastor Brad is. Last I heard he was in Whitehorse, is that right? Dead Horse is way, he'd be way lost if he was in Dead Horse, right? <laughs> He is in White Horse, and I believe that they should be arriving sometime tomorrow. So if you could um, keep them in your prayers as they uh, obviously are hitting snow. I believe yesterday, um, his Facebook post, if you are not his Facebook friend, um, his Facebook post did say that they drove the entire day through snow. And so I'm expecting that they will probably continue to have that until they arrive here. So... um, Let's just uh, join in prayer for him right now and, and for the sermon this morning. Father, we thank you that we have the privilege uh, and the freedom, Lord, to be able to gather and worship you, Lord. We pray this morning for Pastor Brad and Roxy that you would make these last miles for them clear and safe, that you would bring them here, Lord, Help them enter into the new life that they have with us, uh, with blessing and celebration. And Father, um, as we go through your word this morning, I pray that your presence would be here with us. That you would open our hearts and our ears to be able to hear what you have to say to us this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So when I got this assignment... of uh, Romans 15, I looked through it and I thought, okay, 
what is it that's actually going on here as Paul is writing to the Romans? And I would strongly encourage you, if you haven't read the book of Romans, or if you haven't read the book of Romans in a really long time, I would really encourage you to sit down and really chew on that. The Apostle Paul was writing to a church that was made up of both Jews and Gentiles. And the book is actually an explanation of how exactly do we do this Christianity thing? What's the basis? Why do we believe what we believe? And how do we get along in the midst of it when we don't necessarily believe the same things or are not coming from the same background? The, verse, the chapters uh, 12 to 15 are really talking about our life together. And that's exactly where we are right now as a church. We've been talking for the last few weeks about what does it mean for us to live life together. In the previous chapter, in chapter 14, Paul is talking to both the Jews and the Gentiles as they're getting in this argument with each other about what can you eat and what can't you eat. What's okay and what's not okay. Can we eat the food that's been given to idols? Because, hey, guess what? It's cheaper. Okay, who doesn't want a bargain? It kind of talks about this, the background that we all have. But there was an issue with that, with a lot of the Jewish believers. So there was a going back and forth of who is weak, who is strong, who is right, who is wrong. And they were struggling with what does it mean for us to be living a life together when we are coming from totally different belief backgrounds. So 12, chapters 12 through 14, he's kind of getting into the deeper parts of that, kind of the gut issues that are going on, the arguments that they're having with one another. But our text today starts in chapter 15. And he's kind of synthesized everything down and he's getting to the nitty gritty of where we need to be in our life together. And as I was thinking about this, as I was thinking about, okay, what's Paul trying to get to? I thought, he's trying to really point at attitudes. Now, I have two teenage daughters, 15 and 13, so I know a ton about attitude. And when I think about the way that we throw the word attitude around, you know, don't give me attitude, cut it with the attitude, Improve your attitude. Check your attitude. We have an understanding that attitude does affect our behavior. And it affects the way that we affect others. So as we're going through this scripture this morning, I'm going to lay out three different attitudes that I feel like Paul was trying to get at. So the first one, is an attitude of inclusion. As I said before, Paul is dealing with a very divided church. And one of the huge advantages that we have is that we, as believers, 2,000 years after Christ came, have the scripture that includes Paul's letters 
the New Testament is made up mostly of Paul's letters to the Gentile churches. And so we can look at it and say, hey, we know how to do this. But they didn't. And so as he's addressing them in chapters uh, 1 through 4, he says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insult of those who insult you have fallen on me. The first attitude is our life together is about all of us, the weak and the strong. This is a message to the church that we all are coming in with things to offer. We are also coming in with ways we need help from one another. And the important piece of this is that it's not about us. It's not about me. It's about what I can do to build the body. So here are, here's a quote. And if you have not had a chance to, uh, if you're not familiar with James Brand Smith, there's a couple of books out there that he wrote. This one is from The Good and Beautiful Community. And he said, The community is empowered to tell us who we are and to challenge us as to what we can become. Our life together is about being able to see one another and to hear from one another. To be able to look at each other and say, hey, I'd like to come alongside you and help you with this. Or, I see this in you. I think that you could do something amazing. To be able to speak the truth of God into one another. And that's what Paul was talking about. Instead of pointing fingers at each other, instead of saying, hey, you know what, this is the way you don't have it all together and I do. He was saying to them, bear with one another. You're in this together. See the best in one another. So, if I was sitting out there, I'd think to myself, okay, great. So what does that mean? I don't really feel like I have much to offer. Uh, Whatever. All right. Blah, blah, blah. What is she talking about? (laughs) What are some strengths that we bring to the table? And I think we have to have an awareness and a community of what strengths we do bring. If you don't know what you have, then how do you know what you have to offer? The first one, a vital and growing relationship with Christ. If you're someone who has a vital and growing relationship with Christ, and you can look around and see someone else who's struggling, and maybe it's just simply with questions. Questions about, why does God do what he does? Why doesn't God intervene? 
What does it mean to be a Christian? In a world that says, get what you want any way that you want. We're called to come alongside and bear with one another in those places and be able to give each other the freedom to wrestle through those questions and to be able to see Christ at the end of those questions. The next one, physically healthy. I called Jim Lohman yesterday because as I was thinking about this, thought, what am I going to say about this? Physically healthy. Does that mean, you know, if you're uh, in good shape, you should um, get other people in good shape? And some people, yeah, that's, that's true. That, that can be part of your calling to the body. But I was actually thinking about the old-fashioned barn raisings that the Amish, used, or the Amish still do this, where... In a community, they offer one another the physical strength that they have to be able to come alongside and literally build up the community. The reason I called Jim Lohman was because a couple years ago, my husband answered a call that Jim put out. And one of the things about that is that Jim was willing to humbly say, hey, I need some help here. And he needed some help putting a garage together. So he sent out an email to his men of distinction group. And he had a phenomenal turnout. Guys who showed up who were willing to lend their physical strength and their skills to putting together a building. Not one that they were going to enjoy. As far as I know, Jim's the only one who parks in there. I'm sorry, they actually all did it for Nancy, so I'm going to backtrack everything I just said. Physical strength. A lot of times we don't think about that. What are some of the ways that we can physically come alongside? If I've got health and physical ability, there are other people in the community that may not have that, that need me to be willing to come alongside them. Another example of that was a few weeks ago, our Life Together Wednesday uh, groups had our, excuse me, our serve night. And so we had tons of people, I would guess we probably had about 120 people participate in that. And we had some groups that were here that were putting together packages uh, for the homeless And then we had a group that went to the downtown soup kitchen. And if you're not aware of this, the downtown soup kitchen has actually built a brand new facility downtown, which is beautiful and amazing, the things that they've been able to do with contributions and with the physical labor of volunteers. We had a group of probably about 45 people who showed up. I would guess the age range was pretty large. Um, Somewhere probably we had people in their 50s to people that were four. To watch little kids give the physical strength and energy that they had to serve. And what they did was it was very simple. They were sweeping and vacuuming. 
and giving it all that they had. And here's the letter. I want to read the letter to you from Dean Williams. This is the executive director of the downtown soup kitchen. This is a way that we brought our strength alongside. He said, your team of volunteers truly blessed us and the volunteers at the downtown soup kitchen. We cannot express our gratitude deeply enough. Your service saved us much time and money. Frankly, we didn't have the hands and feet to accomplish what you did for us. Our hearts are full of thanks, and we want you to know that by offering your help, you too are a part of this ministry. This wasn't a big deal. It was about 60 minutes of our time where we were able to be hands and feet that were not there. Emotionally healthy. What does that mean? <laughs> when I put that down, I thought to myself, there are so many people in this body that God has brought through dark places. That God has given incredible victory and testimony to. That is a strength that you bring to the body. That you can come alongside and you can give a word of hope. That you can bring comfort in ways that maybe someone else who hasn't been through the same thing can share. Be a hand up, beside, encouraging, Financial stability. Sometimes we get ourselves in a pickle. And I think as a community, and when I say community, I'm talking about Eagle River, we are a rather affluent community. We've been sheltered in a lot of ways from the economic crisis that has happened in the lower 48. But there are brothers and sisters in our community right now, and probably some of them in our own church, that are struggling. Community Cares is a really good example of that. The way that we can bring our financial stability, the things that we have, the extra that we have, to come alongside others who maybe are looking at it and thinking to themselves, I have no idea how I'm going to make it. I might lose my electricity. My gas might get shut off. That foreclosure payment just came in the mail. Opening our ears and our eyes to be aware of the community around us, the needs that others have. On the flip side of that, if you're one of those people, one of the things that, they, that Paul is talking about is being willing to have the humility to ask for help. Because guess what? That takes just as much strength as coming alongside. 
saying, hey, I don't know if I can do this. Education. One of the things I love about this congregation is that there are so many skills There are so many gifts. There is so much education in this congregation. People who use the things that God has given them out in the world. And that is fantastic because that's exactly where God calls us to be. But sometimes we forget that part of what he's called us to do is to serve each other as well. To bring our gifts and skills to the body alongside others. Wisdom. As I was thinking about this, I was actually thinking about uh, a friend of mine who, when I feel stuck, when I feel like I have no idea what decision to make. I can call this person up. I can send him a text. I need to talk to you. And I can sit down with them. And one of the biggest strengths that they bring to me is their presence. They bring themselves to me. And as they listen intently, they're able to turn around and bring me their wisdom. Sometimes I don't like it, which is often true when we deal with wisdom. (laughs) especially if it comes in the form of correction. But there is a deep wisdom that I believe that a lot of us have. And we need to have an awareness that we can bring that to others, to share that, to help us grow. All right, so let's look at the next piece. The second attitude that I think Paul is talking about is trust. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God give us the endurance and encouragement to remain present with God and others. Bearing with each other is not easy. And what Paul is telling the church is that our encouragement isn't coming from bearing down and making it happen ourselves. It's actually coming from being in the Word of God and having a trust and reliance that the Word of God is speaking truth to us and giving us guidance. Because if we try to do these things on our own, we're going to tucker out really fast. And I think there's probably lots of stories of people can, that people can share about I tried to help this person, or I tried to help that person, or I was um, 
involved in this ministry and I just got burned out or I just couldn't help anymore. But an attitude of trust that God is the one who is in charge. That the Holy Spirit is what leads and guides and enriches and gives us the endurance to continue to stay the course. Whether it is in our own faith walk or whether it is coming alongside someone else. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Some of you are fans. Some of you are haters. That's okay. I love this guy. I think he probably wrote one of the absolute best books ever on living life together. Not an easy read. But if you're willing to kind of choke it down slowly, you will find incredible wisdom in it. But he says the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. Paul, in the passage... points out both the Spirit of God and the Scripture. He says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the Scripture, we might have hope. This may be a newsflash to some of you, but by nature, our sin nature, we're all quitters. (laughs) We'll quit really fast. And as we are living this life together, part of what we are called to do is to encourage one another when one is falling down and wanting to quit. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm mad. I want to walk away. Our endurance And our hope comes from Scripture. So if we're trying to encourage one another in our own strength, if we're trying to give each other hope outside of the Spirit of God, we're going to tire out really fast. And I think that a lot of times we do that. To be able to hang on tight to what God promises us in the scripture. To trust that the spirit of God is working in a deeper way than we could ever think or imagine. To hang on to that and to be able to take a step back and think, my call is simply to come alongside. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to make it happen. I don't have to get this person across the finish line. That isn't my job. My job is to speak God's word to him again and again and again. Third attitude that I think that 
Paul is talking about is one of unity. Our life together witnesses to the bigger story of our redemptive God. If you look at verses 7 to 9, it says, Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant to the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. I'm going to stop right there. What Paul is doing after all of this talk and arguing back and forth and what's right and what's wrong and what should we eat and what shouldn't we eat and where should we go and what shouldn't we do, what he's doing is he's boiling things back down in these verses and throughout the rest of, of chapter 15. And he's saying, you know what? God has done this because he's invited all of us into the redemptive work. The nation of Israel was God's chosen in the Old Testament. They were a people. They were a nation. And they got very focused on themselves. And instead of being a witness to the power and redemption of God, they became very focused on their own power and on their own desires and on their own kingdom building. And God said, this isn't enough. I want to invite everyone into my work. And in and through Jesus Christ, we all receive that invitation. And Paul is reminding the church, guess what? This is bigger than you. The way that we live our life together testifies to everything else. It testifies to the redemptive work that God is constantly doing. The way that we interact with each other, the way that we treat one another, speaks volumes out there. In this place, he was talking specifically about how you treat each other is going to testify to the Gentile world. To us, if you think about what is our culture, how does our culture see Christianity right now? We are blacklisted. (laughs) Nobody wants to admit to Christianity a lot of times because it's so negative. Paul is reminding us here that our unity, our togetherness, witnesses to the world. In this place, it was a witness to the Gentiles. But to us now, it's to the world out there. If we are fighting 
with one another. If we're shouting politics at each other. If we are talking about how we're in and you're out. We're good and you're bad. You got it wrong. We've got it right. Guess what? We're speaking the same language that the world is speaking. Our life together should speak of the redemptive nature of God. God calls the church to be a sent community of people who no longer live for themselves, but instead live to participate with him in his redemptive purposes. The reason that we gather here on Sundays is to be reminded that we are the people of God. That we have been called. That we have been gifted. And that we have been invited into the greater purpose that God has for this world. We are a testimony. And when we focus our lives around just ourselves, we miss that. Our life together is about one another, but it is also about the world that so desperately needs Christ. We cannot miss that peace. And we cannot live in a world where we just have the blinders on, where we think this is about me, my family, my church family. We are called to be a missional people who participate with him in his redemptive purposes. So that the people of God gather the praises, get to gather others so that we can praise God together because there will become a point where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Isn't it exciting to think that we have that opportunity to be able to witness to that now? Let's pray. Father, we don't get what it means to live life together. And we need for you by your spirit and by your word to instruct us in that way. We need, Lord, for you to show us the ways that we are strong and the ways that we are weak. And we need for you, Lord, to guide us 
to be those redemptive people in this world. Father, pray that by your spirit you would show us how it is that we can come alongside one another's others within our own community, Lord, and others outside our church body. And pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.